of Turkish citizens took to the streets in Istanbul on Saturday. McDonald's, Starbucks, Domino's. Just a few of the companies that have seen their sales nosedive as consumers are calling corporations out for their support of Israel's war on Gaza. Good Friday, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the weekly Whistle, Stitched edition. This format is going to be different because now we're going to be using voice notes to communicate with each other. And before we do that, I would like to give some context. Where did this idea come from? Well, I personally really enjoy the value and the thought process that every voice note brings. When you're talking to each other live, it's not the same. You have to think on the spot. And sometimes you might not have the right answers already in front of you. However, when you are actually thinking and listening to a voice note and letting it simmer, you might come up with a better response and a better idea that I think brings value to everyone who's listening and to me as a host who is willing to respond and to consume this information from my guest. So I do really like the format. I hope you like it as well. So I would like to continue with creating the context before we actually begin with the voice notes. So the topic is smart protesting. This topic comes because of what's happening in the Middle East and the, the sad and terrible death toll that is amassed uh, right now has gotten me thinking about how do we get people to understand the gravity and the magnitude of the issues that they're facing there in the Middle East. And I do not mean to pick sides. I just mean that human lives matter. That this whole thing started because 1,200 human lives were lost. So there must be a cap. And apparently for the US, 30,000 is the number where they go like, you know what, this is getting disproportionate. So finally, we're seeing some responses from government leaders. And that's thanks to all those brave souls out there who are protesting and trying their best. So what I wanted to talk about was, is there a better way to protest than just going onto the streets and trying to be loud in a way to convince the authorities much faster because they've been protesting since 7th, 8th, 9th of October and the authorities have not been listening. So we discussed this with Mother Siranwar all the way across in Pakistan because he is quite interested in this topic as well, and I do respect him a lot to actually hear his opinion and, and basically share our opinions on this matter, how we think some examples of smart protesting are, and why do we basically struggle with this concept of, of protesting in general and what we can come to do with it. So that is, I think, the context. It is really important to know this before we start the voice notes because they're going to be going in their own formats and uh, in their own pace. And basically, I want you to really be going along us, uh, going along with us to the ride. So thank you so much again for listening to this podcast every week. And thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to share our opinions with you. Without further ado, let's start with the first voice note. So what I wanted to talk about today was uh, the concept of uh, protesting and and 
I remember from the chat you said smart protesting. Now, to give a background of this, uh, we were discussing uh, on the chat. I think we were just discussing uh, how things are going out in the Middle Eastern conflict right now. And um, you had an opinion that, okay, most of the protests people are doing is not smart in your opinion. And I thought that would be a really good topic to discuss because uh, in the last few weeks, since this has been happening a few months, and it is terrible, to be honest, the death toll is at 30,000 plus right now. Uh, that's ridiculous for a conflict that started two and a half months ago. It tells you that this is that this is not really a proper like a proper effort for war against something is just annihilation for the sake of annihilation. That's my opinion on it. Uh, and uh, how we've seen protests uh, showing up all over the world in support for Palestine is is beautiful to see. Yet. I always was a bit of a skeptic with protesting uh, because I always thought voting is the right way to go and uh, and uh, leveraging institutions uh, to do your bidding is the best way to get uh, affirmative action. So like stuff like uh, you can argue that you can go on the streets and you can try to push people uh, and it won't be as efficient as, as the government directly, like the US government stopping uh, stopping with the aid that they're sending to Israel, for example, would be more and more uh, efficient. So that that's my opinion on the matter. However, I do agree, and this is something you always also told me once, that, uh, and a lot of other my friends as well told me that, oh, that means you're expecting the state to be ideal, and the state is not ideal, because the state will always have their own agendas and their own things that they're focusing on, right? So it's not like the state will uh, only look at the most humanitarian things. So sometimes, and there has been a lot of things in history, uh, where protests caused the state to change their stance. So that's what they're trying to aim with this protest, right? These protests around around the world that they're trying to convince their uh, governments to uh, take, their, according to them, the right action uh, for this protest. Uh, protests where they were being uh, like, yeah, you could see them showing up in, in the UK, in the US, uh, uh, across Europe to an extent. Um, and uh, And people are thinking that that is the most efficient way of doing it. And of course, social media protesting is also all over. Everyone is protesting all the time uh, by either sharing uh, all the terrible uh, news that is coming out of the, the region or uh, evoking other people's uh, humanity by targeting them or making them like understand that they should also be doing this. I have my own qualms about social media marketing of, of protests and uh, we can continue debating on that now. I think uh, I will leave the floor open a little bit first for you before I get into that. But I will already concede to the fact that social media has really, really helped increase the awareness of this uh, awareness of this conflict. Uh, and uh, yeah, if people would not be sharing it all the time, maybe a lot of people would not know what uh, is happening there. So I don't know how to feel about it. But going back to the topic of protesting, the example that comes into my head that happened last few weeks ago, I was talking to my wife about it and she was also not interested in my uh, argument because she was like, no, anything is good at the moment. However, in New York, what they did was uh, the protesters, uh, they blocked the interchanges uh, of coming out of New York. I think three, there are three interchanges uh, or in, uh, uh, highways that are going into New York and they blocked all three with a non-violent protest, which means they're just sitting on the highway, not letting cars pass. Now, my Twitter feed only had one point of view, of course, because uh, I follow this uh, more of a conservative person, uh, and he kept reposting uh, 
things against this protest. So my opinion was only from there. And uh, the people were complaining that uh, we have to get to our families, we have to get this and that, and, and you should be ashamed that you're blocking uh, this, that. And the thing that came into my head was that, yeah, you can have a non-violent protest. You're like, I'm not imposing some, something on someone because I'm not being violent or something. But in reality, you're also uh, restricting someone's freedom to movement. And that is also a kind of... Uh, a, a kind of a violence in itself, right? Like because in in the world in the West, uh, you have so many rights to things like right to your vote, right to your own point of view, right to speech. Then there is also right to movement, right? And when you restrict the right to movement, it is the same as you trying to restrict their speech or you're trying to restrict their uh, right to do anything. Uh, so I do get why the other side is so frustrated. However, I, uh, my wife said drastic measures, uh, drastic times call for drastic measures, and I do agree with that. But I also then need, uh, what I always tell people is that I don't mind any action. Every action can have a justification. But what I do have a problem with is not having the awareness to understand uh, what your action is causing. And that's where my qualms with this protest come in. I know what this protest is doing, but I don't think the protesters know what this protest is doing. For them, it's uh, like, no, we're not doing anything. No, you are. You are restricting their movement on purpose to raise awareness. Be okay with that and be okay with the, the pushback that comes because a lot of people are not going to be happy you're trying to restrict them. Right? A lot of people are not going to be happy you are uh, stepping on their uh, freedoms in a way. And in the US, of course, that's already very, very important in a way. Um, and then finally, the point was my sister, uh, my wife, uh, she uh, sent me some more videos about the other side of the argument where people were actually stopping and asking questions and they were like, oh, I did not know that. I thought this was the case. So she said, look, this is working. People get confused why people are sitting on the streets and they ask questions. That's the majority of the people. The, most, the videos that you see are of people on the right who are trying to make this into a big problem. So media also plays a big role in the protests that you're doing. So that is my initial uh, opinion and thoughts on these things. And I'm looking forward to hearing what you think about my thoughts. And uh, tell me um, if you have any questions. Uh, and uh, then let's take it from there. I think I agree with you for the most part. Uh, I do get the need to uh, need to get involved in this war in the sense that uh, the BDS movement where we're boycotting brands that are supporting the Israel military or even brands that have um, a big chunk of their revenue coming from Israel or just the revenue going towards Israel is something we want to um, put a nail on so that Israel in turn is pressured by these brands to uh, stop the war and stop killing innocent people. And I'm all up for it. The problem is it can kind of go both ways as well. Uh, there are a huge chunk of people, there's a huge chunk of people that would want to support Israel or there are many different causes which they are against. For example, there could be um, anti abortion people or there could be people who are against uh, the LGBTQ rights. If they start boycotting brands that are supporting the movements that are for the good or at least to which we agree that, or I guess our most of our listeners agree that they're doing something for the good but they can be boycotted as well. So while i'm uh, while i understand why these boycotts are important especially living in a capitalistic world the problem is again it can work both ways and the question does go back to where the power should go and who should have the power to 
um, have a big say in these movements. So this is a problem I have and I'm trying to wrap my head around it. But at least I draw the line where I would want to boycott brands that are directly supporting the Israeli military. So there's this easy line for me. I know it's still very complicated and that's not a very black and white answer. But this is where I'm actually focusing on. Uh, other than that, uh, I think the protests at this point have also gone a little monotonous because this is just the human nature that we do feel a lot about a certain thing that um, that is something like sentimental to us in a way that uh, we can see the harms or we can see the positive so we react instantly but at a certain point that energy kind of fades away and at that point it becomes difficult because the suffering is still happening and we're not actually doing the same amount of effort that we were doing before and it might just be the case that the suffering has just increased and we're not putting the same effort so i think um, protesting smartly would be knowing when to protest not overdoing it like for example this is something we all see on our social media especially if we have a, a large following of friends and celebrities who are pro-Palestine and they're all for their independence and the war to stop. You, you know there are certain accounts that would continue posting uh, in favor of this thing and showing the world how Israel is being brutal with the Palestinian children and innocent people in general. But the thing is, as much as I want to support them and as much as I want the world to see, what's happening i also get tired so uh the the accounts that i know would be posting these things i subconsciously start skipping these stories because this is the thing with protests you get tired um there's only so much you can consume so i think it's important how we uh how we align these protests uh you can continue posting these stories but maybe post normal stories which people want to see and then always put in a few stories that are for a good cause and i think that way i would be much more willing to see them because even though like it, it's not very good admitting that i i cannot bear so much when there's actual suffering happening but you have to understand the human psyche so again like this this is something you can do on social media and similarly with protests on the fields on on uh, on the ground i think you can be smart about that too like you don't have to have uh, multiple protests at the same time you can have protests in different days you can be smart about them like uh, one of the protests i saw was people leaving their slippers uh, on the floor and the slippers were amounting to the the amount of children that have died which even though it's very sad that's a very very smart way to protest so I think um, rather than just being too aggressive at one time, you have to understand the nature of uh, the problem at hand and you have to uh, align your protest in a way that it helps for the greater good. And I, I do think it can be achieved. I, I would love to know your thoughts about it. And do you think this is something that can be done? And like, again, like this is something we keep talking about that things aren't black and white and they're always complicated. 
and in this era of information it's very hard to convince people that this matter is complicated and there is no easy solution for that so do you think even this could uh, be harmful in a way that like like all things it it would also become monotonous so do you think is there a perfect way to break the cycle i think those are quite valid points and i apologize for the background noise because i'm walking outside and there's some construction going on but i do agree with with some of the points i really like the concept of smart protests uh, like those uh, shoes thing uh, i would love to hear more examples of what you consider a smart protest so maybe we can actually understand that does this really have an impact as much as we think because in my head uh, i feel like if you look at most things that happen around the world they were not protests but they were riots right the the arab spring the the black lives movement also resorted to violence after a while and uh, i think that's what gets you results not non violent protests even in uh, india for 1840 57 gandhi was very famous for his non violent protests but they always got violent i don't have my my history is not that good to know for a fact that who started the violence but it was all it always ended in violence and then rebuttal to the violence that made some changes happen so i would love to hear some examples of smart protests that you think could really really work another question that i have is i completely agree with the fatigue the information fatigue and uh, a rebuttal to your point because i want to just uh, have uh, your point of view and your response to this is okay uh, mudassir i understand uh, that it is exhausting and you don't want to look at it all the time but people are dying and they're suffering and uh, just for a little bit of your inconvenience uh, we should not stop posting just because you will not look at it maybe you should get over your fatigue and try to support it as much as you can so i get your point of view of, of psyche and we should be leveraging uh, the the human uh, brain in in designing these protests but we don't live in an ideal world right so wh- what can we do now to not prevent information fatigue from happening you gave some examples of skipping and everything but i don't think that works either because i know now which people are like uh, posting all the time and i know which aren't and i don't use social media much but even i know that and my wife also uh, uses social media a lot and she always looks at those stories where she knows that people are going to be posting stuff because she wants to stay up to date with it but she doesn't look at much else so your human psyche does work in a way that it always tunes to your biases no matter how frequent or infrequent that the posts become so i don't resonate with that uh, idea but i would love to hear how we can make information fatigue go away in a better way so do think about that and tell me what do you, what what are your thoughts on that moving on to to what you've said so far i think i think there must be a better way as well i think just uh, stopping stuff uh, from happening and uh, disrupting cities in trying to uh, make people aware or doing these boycott movements that you're talking about in trying to put pressure on it it doesn't in my eyes they don't really work well boycott does work because uh, we saw mcdonald's ceo coming out we saw israel ceo coming out but uh, sorry not israel like starbucks ceo coming out but to be honest moda sir these companies are franchises and uh, now right now if you boycott uh, mcdonald's in pakistan you're not hurting israel as much as you're hurting those local franchise owners of pakistan uh, who are pakistani and they're they're trying to make their business work because they already paid the franchise license for this year or for the next few years to mcdonald's so they've already recuperated their money from there so now if you're not eating it there 
it's harming local franchise owners more than it's harming them. That's that's my opinion on it. I don't know if that's true or not. So how do you how do you make sure that, as you said, it's going in the right place rather than just going? And you are thinking more long term that okay, this can be weaponized for some other uh, spectrum arguments such as uh, anti-abortion or anti-LGBTQ. But I'm talking about the effectiveness of this uh, uh, this thing in general. Like, does it really help? Does it really help in in the only way of raising awareness and making people understand that okay, killing is bad is by hurting their money? Is there no other way for us to raise awareness in in a way that actually also supports the humanity of what we're doing, right? It, it shouldn't be this hard to make people realize. In my eyes, personally, I think social media and media in general is the problem, to be really honest with you. The problem with uh, information fatigue and just general misconception is all because these companies and these providers and these platforms want to just keep eyeballs on, on their product and they're willing to sensationalize everything. People are dying and the ones on the left who are covering it or the ones on the left who are taking advantage of it or the ones on the right who are taking advantage of it are only doing it because they want the eyeballs. We have a really good example of Pierce Morgan's Uncensored where he brings people from the other side to give Palestinians a voice just because he knows that he can rip them down or he can make uh, sensationalized headlines and he can tell people to quit jobs or fire, get fired because he knows that's what's going to sell. So even amidst those uh, information and uh, awareness campaigns, there's an agenda. And I'm struggling with how can we fix that agenda? Okay, so the first point you mentioned was about the smart protests. I think um, I, I wouldn't want to overcomplicate it that much. Smart protests can be anything uh, that, that involves creativity rather than disrupting the system or doing the same old things. I know um, uh, very often the typical protests where we go, where masses go out on the streets and tell people what they want is the best thing to do. But when something like that keeps happening and you're going out on the streets again and again, sometimes it's just good to be creative with it. I, I am not opposed to the protests that we see on, on uh, a regular basis, but I just think there are better ways to uh, be creative and make sure you keep making headlines. Because the thing is, like I mentioned in the Instagram stories and just um, the, the, the rebuttal you give on, it's, it's just normal human nature to get tired of seeing the same information. And it sucks that something that is so important and involved uh, involves human lives is at stake, but we're uh, ready to ignore it. But it is what it is. Humans are like that. So we we have to be practical. Uh, and I know I sound very tone deaf in this, but I think it's important that we realize that uh, something so extraordinary is happening and the West is almost silent about it. So it's better to come up with more techniques, different innovative techniques. And you're right, uh, the Arab Spring or these uh, sort of revolutionary like uh, uh, protests do work, but it's, it's uh, scary for me that uh, so much power could be in the hands of the people because all of these protests that you mentioned are, have been very violent. So I'm, I'm scared about the fact that if the right gets the power, which in Pakistan is very, very common. You see very deadly protests from TLP and these banned outfits 
uh, that come out on the streets and create a lot of chaos. So I'm scared about that. So while this does hit home because um, I, I feel absolutely gutted seeing what's happening in Palestine, I'm also scared giving power to the people that they, they can change with these violent protests. So that is the thing I'm more concerned about. And about the boycotts, I think, yeah, um, you're right in the sense that they do affect the local economy, but there's this other side to it. I always mention this whenever it comes with uh, my friends or whoever I'm discussing it with. Um, whatever policies your government takes, they also have their own costs. Like this is literally one of the first things we uh, learn in economics that is called the opportunity cost. So everything does have an opportunity cost. For example, if you, uh, like we're currently experiencing uh, a recessionary phase throughout the world. Like most countries are trying to uh, lower the production because there, there are, there is more money, but there are lesser goods. It all happened because of COVID. So to stop that, there, there will be shocks to many parts of the economy. The countries will suffer. A lot of businesses will suffer more than um, other businesses. So there, there's always some people who get uh, the bad end of the stick. But you gotta have to make those decisions. You have to uh, continue doing these decision makings because at the end of the day, you have to look at the bigger picture. And I think in this boycott, the bigger picture is that you have to make Israel suffer. And the only way I think without being violent is uh, these boycotts. And you might not see the results coming very soon or very easily, but I think they do pressure the government. Like it's very common that these businessmen and just businesses in general go towards the politicians. And th these businesses are the ones that are funding the political parties very often. So I think they, they definitely do have an impact. I understand your point of view, uh, especially related to the fatigue. I think that's something I already agreed beforehand. And also, to be honest, to the to the opportunity cost, that indeed uh, there is some suffering even on a local level economically. But because you're talking about lives here, um, you might feel like, yeah, I'm willing to hurt those people or uh, or financially dis disrupt those people who are not directly involved in a way with with the state of Israel and the support that they're being given by the corporations, but this will have a downstream consequence on the corporation. And it does, as I said before as well, that it is happening. Those the CEOs are complaining, but the people on on this scale are still also getting financially disrupted and hurt. And yeah, human lives do matter, but it is a very interesting conundrum in that sense that they'll be like, but what did we do? We didn't do anything. Like, why are we getting caught in the crossfires? We are not involved in anything. And then, yeah, you can have a debate whether you worked with this or you didn't work with this, so on and so forth. Uh, give me one second. So basically, what I wanted to reiterate was that the opportunity cost is an interesting debate in itself. And uh, I feel like we can talk for hours about what is the right decision because there is no right decision uh, in terms of human lives because everyone will have their own perspective to it. And um, what is really interesting to me, uh, the more I read about this topic uh, and the more I follow the news, is how each side vehemently defends their actions or their point. 
and uh, is refusing to acknowledge the other side. So people who think like Israel is a state that is bad in its entirety, sure, and uh, are the oppressors, sure. But they also got hurt during this time. And you can always debate about the fact that, yeah, did they get hurt first and whatever. Sure, but they did get hurt. And the response is an emotional response. And we need to acknowledge that before we can even even discuss it. So I feel like in terms of protesting, it's good to have awareness, uh, but a smarter protest, given the topic that we're talking about, would be to actually have a discussion and an acknowledgement of what how the other party feels. And same for the other side. They also should be willing to understand that, oh, okay, we we were hurt, we are hurt, we were attacked, we were blinded, and no matter how much atrocities we have caused in the past, we did not expect this. So this is a very uh, like knee-jerk response from us. And in that knee-jerk response, we obliterated almost 30,000 lives. And we need to acknowledge that. We need to acknowledge if this is a fair comparison, that for 1,200 lives, debatable, uh, in the sense that there is a, a report, reports coming out that even Israel's own IDF caused some of those uh, losses because they were like open firing. So those kind of conversations are not happening. And I feel like people tell me why are those conversations important? I'm like, because we are humans. We are not rational creatures per se. And we only talk about rationalism and how we can easily defend this by saying, oh, human lives matter or this matters or that matters. No, but in reality, awareness uh, matters. Having a conversation and hearing those that pain out matters. Because I feel like that will leave or that will lead to better communication and a better conversation about what to do going on with this. Because the people of Israel also are not happy with what's happening because you can see Netanyahu's uh, approval rate is going down since the war started and probably there's a chance that he's not going to stay in the office after this ends. They know that because they're not happy with how the situation has come to be. So it's not just those who are very loud online uh, who are claiming death to Palestine uh, or the ones who are claiming uh, from the river uh, to the sea, uh, everything is Palestine. Both sides have uh, people who are taking advantage of the, the heightened emotions. But there's no one talking about who, how people feel. You have people trying their best to showcase uh, the, the humanity of the situation, of how many lives are dying, kids are dying, and people are refusing to acknowledge it because that means they'll have to acknowledge what they've done, and that would replace the pain that they are feeling right now. So for them to acknowledge this, first their pain needs to be acknowledged, and no one is giving them space to acknowledge their pain. And it's not me supporting any one side, to be honest. It's just me thinking out loud on how I would say that this would be a better way of protesting, a form of communication rather than a protest, because the West is silent as well because of, of the lingering past and the mix and match between uh, anti-Semitism and, and Zionism. So this is all uh, confusing for an average Joe, and they don't want to say anything that they feel like would be uh, uh, rude or confusing, so they stay silent. And yeah, we always say that silence in this kind of situation might also be uh, taking the side of an oppressor. But that's besides the point. I feel, I personally feel that the fatigue is, is such a human thing, as you said. And it baffles me why we do not take that into account. Like, as I said, this emotional thing is also, this emotional feelings are also a very human thing. And we can be ideal, you know, the protesting should work and, and this should work and all of that should work. But no, in reality, we there are limitations to our mind. 
in terms of how our mind operates and that, that is a sandbox we're playing in. So human fatigue is a real thing. And then if you keep, if the, the longer the work keeps going on, the less we're going to start caring. Look at Ukraine. You barely care about it anymore. That's how it works. But so does the emotional pain of people. That's how it works. That if you don't acknowledge it, if you don't let it heal, if you don't give it the space to to mourn, then it will it will bubble up as anger and and it will be directed outwards towards the wrong point. And that's I I feel like what's happening. Instead of all of us banding together to understand that, look, human lives matter no matter what side. The first thing should be to stop the killing. But they do not want that because they're like, no, how dare the Hamas do this? We're gonna keep killing till Hamas is dead. Acknowledgement isn't there to make them feel that yeah, we hear you, we understand you, the pain that you're feeling, that this is not what happened to you. But instead of doing that, the first thing the protesters do is that yeah, but well, Palestinians are feeling this for the past 75 years, and they are, they are, no doubt. But every person needs to feel acknowledged first. And in this particular case, why I uh, try to reach out more towards uh, the Israeli sentiment is because they hold all the cards. If we get their people to understand that we acknowledge your pain, but the killing needs to stop because they will not get anywhere. They have more control than any of us over their government to make them stop. Except for maybe the US government, right? And the US people don't have much control over the US government. So it's it's a confusing place to be. And what I try to do with this acknowledgement of, of the sentiment of, of the pain of the Israeli people is not to uh, remove the pain of the Palestinian people, but is to give them some space so that they can help us and we can help them give space to the 30,000 lives that have been lost so far. Because in my eyes, I don't see anyone willing to be okay with children and 30,000 people dying just for, just for nothing. No one, no animal human any person would not want that unless they are dead inside they and that is exactly why what you see in the right is people trying to demonize the whole thing because they refuse to believe these are 30000 humans that are dying because that means they're killing humans and humans are not supposed to kill humans they call them terrorists they call them animals they call them all of that stuff so for me a smart protest smart way of communicating the pain is to humanize everything and by humanizing, you don't want to just show pictures of children dying and all of that stuff because to them, that just makes them go back into their shell because they just think, oh, it's all deep fakes. We don't believe it. It's very easy in this new new post-truth world and the digital world to, to dismiss anything. That's why you need to go to them. You need to hear them out first. And once they're open enough to understand that yeah, these people are willing to listen to us, we should be willing to listen to them. Then maybe, maybe they will understand the pain the, the less rest of the world is feeling the Palestinian people are feeling over what's happening to them, and maybe that could lead to something. I do not know uh, if this would have any impact on a, on a larger scale, but I feel like these kind of conversations are very, very important to have, to give people space and give people a platform to be able to vent. And maybe with venting, with healing, you will come to stop it. Um, I think the point you're making about First of all, acknowledging the people and trying to find out the ground realities of what's happening is true. Um, and like I, I understand that it is related to smart protests because once you know what exactly is going on and it, like, like the finding has to be a very neutral one, which is 
very hard like you said in the post truth world it's hard to find out where what side is telling you the true story because you you get told what you want to hear whether you go to social media or or the news channel that you watch but i think um more than that this problem would always keep existing um as long as we do not um we, we do not understand that ground realities of everything that happen in the world is very very complicated so i think in in this case the conversation has to be about trying to build an appetite um i keep emphasizing about the fact that we should tell people around us that whatever news that they're hearing whatever debate they're trying to get in just try to learn more about it and regardless of what point of view you share you try to put more energy into it i think that is also some somehow related with the fatigue thing because there is so much information shown in front of our screen in like mere seconds you you'll watch a 2 3 second story of your friend talking about palestinians and how they're dying and that is enough to determine your mood or how you'll react to it which is fine in a way that uh, it does trigger you and might just cause some positive change but just the power that that 3 second video could have on you or 3 second post could have on you is huge so i think smart protest is also important uh, that like we understand that these things require nuance and um we we should reach bigger audience but we should also strive to make sure that the message that we're trying to convey is a longer one and not a very simplistic uh thing that like we just hear one we, we just look at one poster or two and then we're making judgments about it i know this would still happen but this is something we can still work on i keep telling people that having these discussions and detailed discussions because on the internet or where where the character list uh, limit is there or people don't have time to go to the other side of the island talk about these things it's important that if you have people around you that uh, that aren't supporting your side of the story tell them about it if you're po- uh, pro palestine and you think that israel is um being the oppressor here which i also think so go tell the people that don't believe in you and obviously uh, me living in pakistan because they over here the narrative is strongly pro palestinian i don't think i can do that there are many people who can the people living in the west in the us there is a overwhelming majority that still supports israel and like you said that it is true that um israel has lost Uh, people as well and while the magnitude of suffering is vastly vastly different between the two countries i think having this discussion is important like acknowledging that it's not as simplistic as people are making it out to be but the fact that the, there is such a huge difference in the suffering is a huge is, is a point in itself that um the conversation can be more useful or more than anything else there could be efforts that could uh, help these uh, the, the ceasefire happen right now so i think um the smart protesting is 
a more broader thing and i keep saying this that just try to have detailed conversations rather than making it a protest protest about whatever you feel the more detailed the thing is i think it will help everyone's cause and that is also important in the sense that the thing i was uh, mentioning in my uh, in my previous voice note that giving too much power, uh, power to protesters is also dangerous in the sense that it could be used by the right and we have plenty of examples over here as well uh, there there have been examples throughout the world but particularly in pakistan the tlp thing that i mentioned before so this scares me and i i want protesters to be smart about it and differentiate themselves with the the far right and right who would always make things simplistic just so that they can win the argument with which uh, which they can, probably cannot win with logic so yeah that that is where i would like to conclude my point thank you so much guys for listening to the weekly vassal stitched edition I hope you really enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. I really think there's a lot of value to be gained from this format because it really gives you in my eyes really concrete and valuable information and just fluff when people are talking. So I look forward to doing this more and I look forward to having you here again next week for another edition of the Weekly Vassal. Thank you so much for listening and have a good weekend. Thank you.